Plugged In podcast, where we will have honest, courageous, and fun conversations about how women are plugging into climate, energy, and sustainable solutions for the planet. I am your host, Megan Bennett, and on this podcast, I will be giving women who are doing the vital work of saving our planet a platform to share their stories, their ideas, and their dreams for a better future. And I hope these conversations will inspire us all to plug into our personal missions and expand what we think is possible for our families, our communities, our work, and ultimately our planet, starting today. Welcome to the Plugged In Podcast. In this episode of Plugged In, Quinn Parker shares what sparked her to set out to make the energy sector more equitable, diverse, inclusive, and socially just not a small undertaking. She is now six months into running her business, which she named In Color, and the response, the work, and how she and her family feel about it, well, it's not quite what she imagined it would be. My name is Quinn Parker. I live in Las Vegas, Nevada. I am passionate about fairness and equality and making sure all little girls and boys have the same opportunities. I'm also passionate about my Shipu named Carson. That's the cutest little dog ever. We get to meet Carson soon. I probably can name off a dozen other things that make me really happy and bring passion, but um, we'll maybe save that for another podcast. <laughs> So you live in Las Vegas. What do you love about Las Vegas? I love summer nights. I love desert sunsets. I love that you can get anything you want 24 hours a day. Um, There's always great restaurants. Um, We could probably eat in a restaurant every day of the week and not hit the same one for months. Sorry, Megan, my dog's about to go bananas. Give me one second. So that was Carson. Sorry, I thought he would behave and I should have known better. So he's in his kennel. Quinn registered her business late at night, perhaps after one of her favorite desert sunsets. So it was really, really late um, one evening and I was, I don't know if you've ever gone through the process of incorporating a business, but it's it's a, che- a box checking process. So you get on my Nevada website and it has all these this list of things that you need to do. And you know, you get to the point where you need to find a name for your company. And um, it was just like a it was just a series of just very clear steps that brought me to in color and again it was late at night and no one was around i didn't even get a chance to ask anybody what do you think about in color like i didn't bet this with anyone it was just quinn and the computer and the nevada state website in color the name was literally born within hours it it started off with me just thinking about what i'm looking for you know i and i was thinking of that phrase and i don't i can't quote it or where exactly it it comes from, but I'm sure you've heard it to me, Megan, that idea of dreaming in color, you know? And so I thought, you know, I want to add like complexity and tone and, and that's the start of, and then I thought, okay, in color, I don't like I, but then I thought about energy and enthusiasm and the E. And so that's where in color came from. Um, it's kind of formed into more as it's taken on a life 
of its own, like hearing people say in color to me has now made me like, I, I feel something about the name now. It means like, it means to me now pursuing dreams. It means a focus on equity. It means taking a step back and looking at what we are doing in a way that puts an equity lens on our work. So in color was very, I guess, quick in some ways because many people may spend many months, you know, thinking through a name, but it's, um, it's becoming, it's, it's got a life of its own now. It's becoming something. The name came quickly, but the vision for this work had been brewing for a long time. So I've been kind of planting the seeds of what this looked like for me, I think, for many years. There was a moment in 2020 that made it clear it was time to start. I think my catalyst, which is likely the catalyst of many people around the country, perhaps, not just within our industry, is the murder of George Floyd. And... Um, starting to kind of open my eyes a little bit. I've always felt like there's, I could be doing better that as a leader in the organizations that I work for, that I could speak up and, and vocalize some of what I was seeing, but I always stay quiet and I always kind of justified it. It just is what it is. And that's what I would tell myself. And after that, I decided I had to, to, to share my thoughts and, and that started off just within the organization that I worked for at the time, which developed into a strategic working group where we started doing some diversity, equity, and inclusion planning um, that ultimately ended up in development of a plan for that organization. And when I was doing that work, though that was you know, kind of a side project, that wasn't my primary responsibility, I, I felt like this is what I want to do all day every day. The death of George Floyd was a catalyst, not only for Quinn, but has been an awakening for many. I think the unfortunate and very public death of George Floyd really um, kind of made people realize that what we may have always known, it's, it's not something that we can pretend that's it's not happening anymore. And that that starts to kind of filter in many parts of your life. You know, I, I'm, I can't say the murder of George Floyd is the reason why I want equitable programs, right? It's not a one-to-one -one connection. What it is, what it was for me, and not speaking for anyone else, it was this, this moment where just a whole lot of things became like, I can't ignore this anymore. I, we can't ignore police brutality. We also can't ignore there's a whole segment in our society being left behind. We can't ignore that energy programs are not addressing the needs of the most vulnerable. So while you know those movements are very clearly about something way bigger than if you know, Blacks are well represented in a home performance program. It just is it's a domino effect of all these kind of small aha moments that we have in our lives. So for me, I that man's death was a moment where I had to personally address all of the other things that we we need to kind of like stop pretending are not happening. And it, it just makes me so sad and sad and in a 
bit angry that it takes it took Black Lives Matter and and the death of a, a man for us to to really address many of the inequities that we've always known have existed and 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 George Floyd is just one of many right like we've watched men and women of color um, losing their lives senselessly over and over again over the past two years but I, I guess I I ask us as a you know all of us as a society, just because the, the dozens that we've seen, what about all that those we, we do not? Um, and so it's just, it's just time for change. So that's, that's kind of, it's, it's, it's again a passionate, emotional topic that, that we all need to kind of grapple with. More than anything, this work is a journey for Quinn, a personal journey of learning and reflection and exploration for Quinn and for her clients. When I started in color, I, again, I thought this was going to be very methodical, very systematic and just setting up processes to make, to solve all the world's energy equity problems. Um, And what's actually happening is this outpouring of desire from our colleagues to learn and um, a growing awareness of the lack of knowledge that we have in regards to diversity, equity, and inclusion, both as individuals and organizations. So a lot of the people I'm talking to, though they are looking for process and, method, they're also looking for a conversation. Um, They're looking to have me talk to them about what does diversity really mean? What is equity? What is inclusion and belonging and social justice and anti-racism and all these terms that we hear all the time? And what does it mean to me as an individual as well as for the organization that I work for? And as I'm having these conversations, I'm learning so much from the people around me and I'm, I'm trying to like aggregate all of this fantastic information and push it back out in some of the trainings that I've been putting on over the last month. But it, it's really turning into an awareness and education effort alongside the process and the method. The bottom line though, Megan, is that um, in color is not going to solve this problem. Um, just like the Black Lives Matters movement may have brought a lot of awareness to the topic of police brutality and inequities, all I think Encolor can do, at least in the the way it is now as a, a small woman-owned single proprietorship, is to bring awareness, right? And I'm I'm hoping that as we open our eyes and see that we have a responsibility. I had a really good conversation with um, a colleague at a loom and, you know, getting Ann Doherty like full credit for, for making me see again, you know, these conversations of awareness, she made a comment that we really need to shift our perspective from viewing people as hard to reach, Instead, we need to 
think of it as we have failed to serve. And um, it was really a moment for me when she said that because we do have a tendency to categorize any group of individuals that don't respond to our traditional outreach approach as hard to reach. Instead of thinking about, I haven't done the right things to make sure that group, those individuals are able to receive the best outcome from participating in my program. And it's a mind shift. It's one that I um, embrace wholeheartedly and try to continue to message every time I have this conversation. You mentioned conversations. Tell me about the hard and, and maybe uncomfortable conversations that need to happen in this work. If it's so human, human, human to human, <laughs> out of the box checking and into the conversations. I think it's using words that we haven't historically felt comfortable using, especially in in the workplace. So I, I know I have been conditioned my entire professional life to leave things like my, um, the number of children I have, any specific kind of ethnic holidays and customs and norms, um, perhaps things that my emotion as being a woman, I leave that out of the office. And it's been kind of built into the way we do business. When I you know, had very young children, I never talked about my children with my supervisor. And that's because I was fearful that by sharing my challenge with babysitting, that I might not get that next promotion. I wouldn't get that good, that nice, you know, sweet assignment. And, and so you left that at home. I also think we're very cautious about how we talk to people. I had a really good conversation with someone that feels really uncomfortable calling me black, right? Because they have grown up and been socialized that I want to be called African-American. Well, I asked them, have you ever asked someone what they want to be called? Um, and perhaps your, your um, discomfort around this word is yours and not mine. So let's, you know, have this conversation. I, I think just, that discomfort of having these conversations in the workplace is something where we're trying to actively work through. And me just being really blunt and candid with my clients that until you are able to have these conversations and say these words, we're not gonna be able to push forward. And also recognizing that everyone is in a different place. You can't force people to open up and share their identity with you until they feel safe. And if you're not creating a safe workplace, but there is a there's work to be done. There's some things that your organization needs to tackle so these individuals can show up to work as their full authentic selves. So that's been the crux of the conversation, especially when we talk about internal um, kind of conversations I've been having. When we talk about external, like what do our programs look like? I think it's another dialogue that's starting to emerge, this very clear call to action from many utilities that we're no longer going to be okay with you spending a certain amount of money with a diverse business that we now wanna see what is what are your diversity plans? What does your organization look like? What is the demographic of the program team that's gonna be delivering our work? And that takes us to a whole new level 
for organizations that are working with utilities, it's not just about spend, it's about what you're doing within your, your organization. Who is inspiring you? So I guess it kind of plays into the conversation I had earlier with you, Megan. My daughter has become quite an inspiration to me as I think about her kind of transitioning into a, um, into a new stage in her life. And she's kind of going at it with just so much openness and curiosity. So it's really, um, I'm so proud of her. And then kind of bookending my mother who, um, has been suffering from multiple sclerosis for most of my life. And it makes me teary-eyed just thinking about like the, ch the challenges that she's had to face. So between those two, you know, my mother and this young woman that's coming into her own, it makes me feel even more responsible to kind of chase after my own dreams and make a difference and to try and be... Um, a role model for her as she kind of starts her journey. Thinking about why we do all of this, you know, for me is family, right? Like part of the reason why I started in color was the idea of having more control over my day so that I can spend more time with my kids. But what has resulted in what has come out of this, that has happened somewhat, but I hear my kids talking to other people and they're like, yeah, my mom does diversity work and it's so awesome. And they talk, my daughter talks about it. Even my son who's 11, I hear him talking about it. So um, I think those are the things that motivate me You've talked about responsibility. Tell me, like, how does it feel to feel like you have a responsibility to do this work? And then how does it feel to know that, you know, you've started the journey? Like six months in, how is it feeling? What does that look like for you to have this, feel this responsibility and to be acting on it? You know, just being really candid and open, Megan, sometimes it's heavy. And, and then I have to sit back and, and think about who better than us, what better time than now. But I can share with you what I've learned so far. I can share with you my experience, both professionally and personally as being someone that oftentimes was marginalized or left out or felt like I was being left behind. And sometimes a story is all someone needs to, to make that next step themselves. I had a session with a client of mine and after that session, they sent me a short note saying, thank you so much for talking to us and, and being really candid and sharing your story. And there's some ups and downs, but at no point have I kind of regretted this journey. Are you finding joy in this work? Every day, even in the midst of a challenge, I, I find joy because you you kind of have to separate that fleeting happiness from a joyful moment. Um, you know, we, we're happy when we have a great ice cream cone and that moment comes and goes, but having a conversation, a tough conversation with an individual, it's, it's challenging, it's tough in the moment, but I leave that conversation joyful because I know that 
um, I've had an opportunity to share something important with someone that may go and share that something important with someone else. And you just never know when you touch someone that feels like in that moment they can now be themselves or um, stand up for themselves or um, push for something better within the programs that they implement. I definitely have more moments of joy um, than I could ever anticipate it. Um, there's, there's this kind of idea that some people spend 10 years doing the same thing every day. Um, I've spent the last six months doing something different every day. Every day has brought something, something new and it's just been fantastic. Not only is Quinn finding joy, she has deep gratitude for all those who are supporting her. I would be amiss to not throw out there that I have the most incredible professional network of individuals that um, have helped me with In Color from before it was launched. Because even though I didn't have a name, I did talk to my close friends and colleagues around the idea of starting this business. And, you know, we're right in the middle of a pandemic and I'm suggesting I quit my job and start a business focused on diversity, equity, inclusion. And from my most conservative um, colleague to my most aggressive, the answer was always the same. Absolutely, yes, Quinn. And is there anything I can do to help you be successful? Let me know. And it wasn't just talk. I've My network has helped me in so many different ways and I'm so appreciative and grateful that um, of the industry I work in and the people that I call my friends. I've had people help me with designing my website and logos to introducing me to all types of different companies to see if they're interested in my work. I know, I, without a doubt, my friends and colleagues are talking about my company and me in rooms I'm not in because I get calls from people saying, we were just talking about in color and so that's when you really know that you have a strong group of supporters when they are advocating for you when you're in a room and can't advocate for yourself. And, and I guess I would like to throw that in there as another bit of motiv motivation to me because all these people have so much faith in me and my ability to make change that I am motivated to, to reach that expectation, to exceed expectations in the way I deliver my work. So um, just wanna say a huge thank you to everyone that is supporting me and In Color. How do people get in touch with you, Quinn, if they're interested in working with you? Please um, check out my website. Um, it's in incolorconsulting.com. You'll find an uh, opportunity there to reach out to me via the um, kind of a contact sheet. I answer every single contact that I receive. I'm also scheduled to do two additional trainings with AESP on program equity. Those classes will be in July and October of this year. And then, you know, I'm, I'm positive if you check out LinkedIn, look for Quinn Parker, you can find me there too. Happy to chat. Thank you so much, Quinn. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Plugged In Podcast. Let me know what you think. Share it, rate it, leave a review. Reach out. I am on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. All the info can be found at pluggedinpodcast.ca. 
I am super thankful for all the love and support behind the scenes. Some special call outs to Ercilia Serafini and Summer Hell for supporting me with the time to explore and work on this personal project. So appreciated. And finally to my guests, thank you for being the inspiration. Join me next time on the Plugged In Podcast.